I'm Paulina Lee, and this is Here at Haas, a student-run podcast connecting you to Haasies and the faculty that change our lives. This week on Here at Haas, we are joined by Aiden Minkin from the Evening Weekend Program, Class of 2021. Aiden is a student leader, finance and strategy professional, a collegiate football player, and an iron bison. Thanks for coming on the show, Aiden. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. How's your week been going? It's going great. It's uh, sprinting forward just like the rest of the summer and pretty much this whole year. Yeah, the summer has flown by. I don't even know how it's the end of July. (laughs) I know. It's insane. And you're calling in from Texas, right? Yes. Plano, Texas, right near Dallas. Awesome. Well, I'd love to start with you just sharing a little bit about your background, where you're from, where you went to undergrad, and how you ended up in the Bay Area. Of course. My parents are from South Africa, and part of the you know, reason I say that is because from a young age I started playing soccer, and my dad got me really into it. And so, you know, I grew up playing, and I even played in the Youth World Cup. And, you know, I kept playing, I was loving it, and then after a while kind of got burnt out on it, and then I guess made the, the natural transition that most kids do these days, and they start kicking footballs. So I, I grew up in the Houston area and then ended up getting a scholarship to a, a school in Arkansas. And the school is called Harding University. It's a Division II school. It's right outside of Little Rock. And so had an incredible time there. Small school, made a ton of awesome friends and majored in finance. And the Walmart headquarters is actually pretty close to Harding and they actually recruit uh, pretty heavily outside of there. And so ended up doing a couple internships with Walmart there and then ended up joining full-time. They have this rotational program that's pretty neat. And so it spans over two years and every six months you basically have a different job. And so for somebody coming out of school, not quite sure what they want to do, this is like a perfect scenario. And so actually during those two years, I did six months in San Francisco. So there's an e-commerce office with Walmart out in the Bay Area. And so I did six months out there, came back, and then just kind of fell in love with it and was trying to find a way to make my way back to the Bay Area. And so I ended up doing that. 2016, I I came out to the Bay Area and started working for e-commerce. And during that time, also got married actually the weekend before I moved to San Francisco. So a ton of change during that time. (laughs) A lot of fun, a lot of learning. Yep, mostly outside of work. But it was great. And so, you know, I've been in the Bay Area for four years now. And I mean, Walmart's such a massive company. I've probably had six different jobs during the six years that I had been there. And that's kind of led me to where I am right now. And so the way I ended up at Haas was a little bit of happenstance. So as soon as I moved to the Bay Area, the, the manager I had at the time kept nudging me and saying, like, I know you want to go to business school. I've wanted to go ever since undergrad. And she kept telling me, why don't you just do it part-time? There, Berkeley has a fantastic program, and there have been some people at Walmart who had done it before, and she kept saying, like, do it, do it. And I was like, no, I want to go full-time. And so I'd been applying to all these, these full-time schools, you know, the East Coast and South, and this was around 2018. And right as I submitted all my, my applications, my wife, she does medical sales, and she got a promotion, and I was like, well, shoot. It's not going to make a lot of sense if we move and we sort of came to San Francisco for me. And so maybe it makes sense to stay a little longer. And so I quickly applied to Haas. I was like, all right, maybe this is a good decision to to come to the part-time program. And 
so I applied and here we are. It's awesome. Well, I wanted to take a, a step back to our intro too and wanted to ask you a little bit more about the iron bison. Oh gosh, the iron bison. So it, it doesn't have anything to do with the Iron Man for one. The bisons were the mascot of the school I went to, Harding. And, and so, you know, I mentioned that I was a, a kicker in school and I think the stereotype of most kickers is that they're not the most athletic or they're, they're scrawny. They're kind of these odd people and I'm not saying that I'm not, but um, <laughs> while I was in school, I was trying to kind of change that stereotype. And so I would work out with all the other positions and I would compete with them. And so every fall we would have this big strength and conditioning competition and you know, if you're at one of the top performers, you become the Iron Bison. And so one of the years I competed pretty hard and I I won that, that award. And it was a while ago. For for some reason, all the clothes that I wore back then have grown a lot. And I don't know, what, <laughs> I don't know how that happens. <laughs> oh, I feel you. I still have some of my like practice shirts from college <laughs> that yeah, I still you, wear. You're an athlete, huh? I mean, still yeah. are. Yeah, played field hockey in college. I mean, for me, playing a sport in college, I didn't enter high school and think to myself, I'm going to go play field hockey in college. It kind of more developed over time. Yeah. And I think it definitely affected where I am today and how I think about different things. As you look back at your undergrad, how was being a collegiate football player influencing your life today? I think a lot of it has to do with being on a team sport. I mean, in football, there's a lot of other team sports, obviously, but football, I think, is one where it's, you know, it's the whole gridiron principle and you have to have the person's back who you're, you're lined up next to. Of course, I didn't line up next to too many people, but, <laughs> but it's the whole experience. And so it's constantly thinking from the standpoint of it's not about me, it's, it's about the team. And if I don't do my job, then this whole system fails. So it's kind of ingraining that into you. And then it's also shared experiences is pretty neat. I think that kind of shapes you. And who knows, maybe this this whole Corona thing is like we're on one big weird team and we have this big shared experience. So I I think that's a, a big part of it. Yeah, I totally agree. So I'd love to dig into a little bit more about your Walmart experience. I know they recruited heavily on campus, but what made you want to join such a large retailer out of college? So it was interesting. Coming out of college, my main two options that I kind of narrowed down to was going to Walmart or going to this oil and gas company called Murphy's Oil. And it would have been a, a really interesting opportunity. It was in El Dorado, Arkansas, the, the city of gold, quite small. And so joining Walmart seemed to be like the, the big unknown. I mean, it was a massive company and there's so much opportunity. And I'd kind of gotten a feel for it doing a couple internships there and sort of knew what I was what I was into. But I, I think the biggest thing that drew me there was the leaders in the organization. They're all just really good people. And so that kind of ultimately drew me to it. And you had, you said about six different roles at Walmart. You've done a variety of different work, right? So working with the online grocery team, acquisitions, incubation, really a lot of white space areas that Walmart has been investing in. As you look at your career at Walmart, what has been your favorite role or what role did you learn the most from? So I I guess starting off with online grocery, that was a ton of fun. That was my first job coming out to San Francisco. And 
it was uh, one of the first times I had been in a kind of startup environment. I mean, it was, you know, the business was growing triple digit and my first kind of responsibility was helping do the long range planning for the organization. We typically look out five years and then we do uh, a, a next year snapshot. And I remember it was 2017 and we were just wrapping up the, the plans for the next five years, you know, that aren't going to change whatsoever. <laughs> and, and that was the same time that Amazon had acquired this other little company called Whole Foods. Yeah. <laughs> so we basically had to scrap all these wonderful plans that we had made and completely start from zero. But it was a ton of fun. I mean, it was it was awesome looking at such a massive organization come together and we had these big strategy meetings and made decisions really fast and hoped for the best. So that was a ton of fun. But I think more recently, the so you mentioned the, the incubation group, this was pretty neat. So about two and a half years ago, Walmart launched this incubation arm. It's kind of like corporate venture capital. And they called it Store 8 because, you know, back in Walmart's history, that store number eight, the eighth store that was opened was like the experimental store that Sam Walton would kind of tinker with. And so this incubation organization named Store 8, we um, launched a, a portfolio of five different incubation companies. And I mean, they were so different. One of them was working on augmented reality, virtual reality in stores. How do we incorporate that? Another one was working on conversational commerce, so natural language processing. And so, you know, me coming into this with retail experience and not as much on the tech side was just wild. And thinking about how we can put some structure in, but not too much. We don't want to sort of overwhelm and overcrowd these startups that aren't used to the corporate environment. So that was a super interesting learning opportunity. Yeah, I think it's so interesting because I have been with Procter & Gamble for eight years this summer, but have also done a ton of roles on our Walmart team. So I yeah. think between the two of us, we have a lot of Walmart knowledge. But I think one thing that I've loved working with Walmart that I don't think a lot of people understand is like all the innovation that the teams are working on and the different things that people are trying, especially in the Bay Area, because our, our nearest Walmart is, I mean, from San Francisco, it's what, 37 miles or something, yes, I think the office says. <laughs> so it's cool that you're kind of at the crux of like one of the largest retailers in the entire world, but also at this point where they're really trying to push the envelope, really trying to put a stake in the ground to continue winning in retail in the future yeah. versus competition, both here in, in the U.S. and outside. Do you think that these roles that you've done have changed your outlook in terms of what you want to do going forward? Yeah. I mean, if anything, it's let me know that there is so much outside of the organization. I mean, it's it's so massive. And I, I guess it kind of ties into going to, to business school is you automatically start thinking more broad, whether you like it or not. You start thinking about all the stakeholders and the suppliers and the Procter and Gambles and all these uh, other people that help make Walmart what it is and a company can't succeed on its own. And so it started making me think about what are, what are other roles out there, even outside of finance, that could be interesting. And so I guess a couple of the things that I've been curious about and may or may not have written essays about it going into school was uh, consulting. I've always been curious about. I've worked with a lot of 
brilliant people who are former consultants and I really look up to them. And so that's one thing I've always been really curious about. And so this, this past spring, I, I worked with a boutique consulting firm doing uh, change management consulting. And that was, you know, like a very different experiences for higher education. And so that sort of opened my eyes to it, to what it could be like uh, as a career. And I did that for about three months. And I'd worked with consultants before, but never obviously in their shoes. And so I gained a bit of a new respect for them. But I, I think ultimately I decided it's you know not quite the path for me. <laughs> not for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I love is being in an organization and then being able to influence and take plan from ideation to execution. And consulting is typically only one piece of that. Mm. And then, you know, more recently, one of the other things I've been curious about is the it's kind of a buzzword now, but biz ops, you know, yeah. it's the blend between analytics and operations and being smart about making decisions, which sounds a lot like finance. Yeah. And so that's what I've been doing for the, the past couple of months, helping a, a company out here in, in Dallas doing that. And that's, that's been super interesting, very different. Yeah, that's great. So 2018 was when you started applying to full-time programs and then obviously pivoted and applied to Haas's part-time program. At that point in your career, why did you decide that that was the time that you wanted to go back to school? And how were you thinking about the different schools that you applied to? I guess 2018 was the time frame that I always sort of had in mind. I wanted to get four to five years experience before going to school. So that, that didn't change. Obviously, going the, the part-time route was a, a big pivot in my mind. The, the schools that I was focused on applying to was, was mostly geographic-based. So you know, I applied to, to UT. My family's from Austin area. I applied to Michigan. My wife's family's from Michigan. And so I was kind of thinking about it in that way and obviously visited the schools, thinking about culture and then the alumni in those areas. But yeah, I was not thinking about Berkeley at the time and was honestly not thinking about the Bay Area as a, as a home when we first moved here, but it's worked out quite well. Fell in love with it for a little bit at least. I know. <laughs> and you made a big career change deciding to leave Walmart this spring. I know you talked a little bit about doing consulting this spring and then interning this summer, but how did you come to that point where you're like, this is the time I wanna leave the home I started in? I think I, I sort of had that time frame in mind. Part of it was, a little bit more tactical. I took a, a ton of classes this past spring, and so I knew it was going to be really tough to get a lot out of those classes. And you know, I was doing negotiations, which I know you have to put a ton of time into. And I was taking some analytics classes, so that was part of it. And then also just taking time off at the turn of the year is always typically a good time. We have most of the plans in order, or that's typically the plan to put the plans down. And it's just easy from a company standpoint. I, I also didn't want to leave and leave things on fire and put people out. So it was a good natural transition. And tell me a little bit more about the change management consulting. So I think you've kind of learned that it's not quite for you, but would love for you to talk about how you got involved and what else you learned during that time. So I knew I wanted to do something else in the spring. And I think the 
part-time program maybe sort of drills this into you or maybe it's just me to kind of be somewhat hyperactive and always doing something and so even though I had a, a heavy class load I was like well I'm used to working 50 or 60 hours so that can't take all that time so I have to figure something else out so I was looking at doing something else at least part-time and so this opportunity came up through CMG so I, I just applied to it and it was a little bit of a different take since it was change management and it was very different in the sense that it's not your typical strategy or, or implementation or doing deep ana analytical analysis. The way I sort of understood it or, or describe it is that from a finance background, I'm so used to thinking like numbers first and what's the R ROI of this project. But doing change management was all about the people. So it's like, okay, what's the impact on people? The company that we were helping out was, it was in higher ed. And so they're doing all these different changes, changing financial systems, the way they do HR. And so everything we did and, and helped them think through was like, okay, what's the impact on people? How are they gonna react to it? How should we message things? And less so like, what's the, the numbers impact? So that was a super cool experience. Sounds like you need a psychology degree. <laughs> I feel like I do. I was way inadequate for that. And then you're interning this summer, which I think is kind of different for a lot of evening weekend students, right? So most of us just keep working full time the, the whole time of our program. I think you're one of the few that I've met at least that did an internship. So tell me about that process, recruiting, applying, and then how the summer has been for you. Yeah, it's a super cool experience, and I guess that's one of the neat parts about the evening weekend program is you get some flexibility. There's a lot of uncertainty with it, so to the extent you can balance that, it works out. But yeah, I was, so I was looking through the, the you know, Career Management Center as well and just talking to a bunch of different people, but the, the company that I ended up with was, I knew some people from my alumni and undergrad who worked there, and so we were talking quite a bit. and. Uh, ended up working out that you know I could go down there around the time that I wanted to and work there for just a, a few months during the summer and the opportunity ended up being perfect as well because I was looking for something that was in this sort of biz ops space and not to do something strictly finance because I sort of know what that world is like. So the company that I uh, started working for is, is super interesting. It's GovTech which is another space that I had not heard much about. It's a government tech. And what the company does is they've figured out a way to digitalize pawn shop receipts. So the way that pawn shops work right now is that by law, they are required to submit these pawn tickets when somebody pawns something to a local jurisdiction, to a police department. And what this company has done is digitalize all of that. So previously, if someone were to say, steal a TV in San Francisco and then drive down to San Jose to sell it at a pawn shop, those two police departments would, you know, it'd be, it would disappear from the face of the earth. They'd have mm -hmm. no way to talk to each other. So ah, they've kind of okay. connected all those, all those systems. Very cool. Do you think that biz ops is what you want to do next or are you still exploring? So I'm, I'm not quite sure if biz ops is what I want to do longer term, but the interesting thing that I'm kind of noticing now is that I think BizOps and it's just using data to help people make better decisions, which is a lot of what finance is in a sense. And I think those two spaces are ultimately kind of blending. I, I see a lot of positions that are like, you know, head of 
finance and analytics mm-hmm. or you know head of strategic finance so i think those two worlds are kind of blending together and so that's sort of what i'm most interested in and finding companies that see value in that yeah i think the brains that look at numbers are very similar and it's just applying them in different ways that or they're just trying to consolidate so you're going to be wearing you know four hats but one job yes <laughs> Which if you can get paid for wearing all the four hats, that's, that's good too. <laughs> right, right. How was your first year at Haas? You got involved as a student leader back then, and tell me a little bit about your first year in the evening weekend program. Yeah, first year was wild. It was like the first few months of Corona. You, you just don't know what's happening, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out what a new normal is. And I remember going into it, I, I made this big spreadsheet of like, okay, I'm going to work for these hours and then I'm going to do homework on, during these hours. <laughs> and that was scrapped really quick. But it was a ton of fun. I mean, you, it's totally like going into undergrad to some degree. There's so many people to meet, so many new experiences, so much learning. But it's cool. It was such a humbling experience as well. I remember during we launched the kickoff weekend that we have, you meet all these people and they're from all these different backgrounds and you're thinking about like, okay, so I guess since I'm coming from a finance background, that kind of pegs me with the finance people and therefore mm-hmm. people who are not in finance don't know about finance, but that is not <laughs> the case. So I even remember sitting in accounting classes and I was thinking like all the subjects that would kind of come up, I would think, you know, I've kind of thought through this quite a bit. and. Mm-hmm. The questions that some of the my classmates would ask were just brilliant and I would kind of look over and I would think like, whoa, that person is a scientist. I would not think that they would think of that question. Right. So right. yeah, it's just very humbling. And what do you think you learned in your first year that you applied coming back into year two? That's a good question. I think I learned it's a bit obvious, but just maybe appreciated the the value of the relationships. I remember before starting, I was talking to all these folks who had gotten their MBA or they were getting their MBA at the time while I was applying. And they're like, the way to think about getting an MBA is in three parts. So there's the networking piece, there's what you learn in the classroom, and then there's the career opportunity piece. And I was like, okay, so I need to keep the balance. But you know, going into it, I'd learned pretty quick that the network can overshadow all of that. You can learn even more in the classroom if you collaborate and talk to the right people, and then that opens up career opportunities. And so I just appreciate that a lot more. And how are you thinking about the network portion as we go into year three fully remote? Oh my gosh. Yeah, we'll have to figure something out. I think there's all these interesting apps like Donut is one that I want to explore where you can have these sort of one-off meetings and make up for the running into somebody random while in the quad type of thing. There's so many unknowns this semester, this year in the world. It's hard to predict, but we'll have to think of some good creative ways. I think there was a lot of energy when we first went fully remote. Everyone was, was like, we can hang out on Zoom for six hours. It's fine. We'll do yeah, it. Yeah, no problem. You're right. <laughs> exactly. But then when, you know, we're, what are we, six, seven months in now? I think people will have to think about it and be like super intentional and figure out how do we still make the most out of this experience, even though everything looks completely different. 
So you're very involved. I believe you were an academic cohort rep your first year, and then you were involved in We Launch as a cohort leader. Yeah. And I've had the opportunity to work with you over the last, oh my gosh, over half a year now yeah. um, on the exec team. So would love to understand why you got involved in student leadership while at Haas. Part of it, I think, is just, well, maybe not being the best at saying no to opportunities, which <laughs> I don't know, I'm, it's a balance for sure, but it usually ends up working out in good ways. I, I wanted to be involved, and so after doing the social cohort rep during We Launch, I realized, hey, there's some pretty cool people in other classes, you know, maybe like Paulina and others. <laughs> um, but that was super neat. So I wanted to think of different ways that I could get involved still and, you know, work across the, the different years. And so one of my friends reached out to me, asked if I wanted to be involved. And this is George from my cohort. And he was asking me and I was like, well, you know, I don't know. I need to think about the time commitment. And then he gave me all these quotes of these executives. They run companies and they're able to do all this too. I was like, all right, that's, that's a great point. And so, yeah, I joined and um, super glad I did. It's been a ton of fun. And met a ton of great people and I think during this time especially there's so much that we can stand up and do to to help folks and kind of be a voice. Do you think you've learned anything out of either this role on the exec team or in any of the other student leadership roles you've had that is a new skill or a new thing about yourself? The one thing that I thought of recently is so it goes back to the, the first opening weekend when we did we launch and you may have done this too but it was the the concept of deep and brief mm-hmm. and so you have to take this two minute break and you turn to somebody next to you and you have to talk about yourself or tell a story so you go real deep but it's brief and it's okay you know yeah. it doesn't have to be weird and it's it's cool you can carry on and be friends and so I think that's kind of stuck with me and it it remi- I was reminded of it recently because this company I'm working with now, the this coworker that I have next to me, he's a uh, super cool guy. And it was early in the morning. It was, I don't know, 7.30 in the morning. And he leans over to me and he says, hey, what motivates you? <laughs> and I thought I thought it was, he was kind of messing with me. And so I was like, you know, kind of joking around with him. And he's like, no, really, what motivates you? I was like, oh, cool. And so, you know, we, we talked about it. And it reminded me, I was like, previously, maybe before coming across that concept, I would have taken it a totally different way, but I was like, this is super cool. It's okay. And you can have a a deep and brief conversation and it's cool. And I admire him for that. For sure. You know what my next question is going to be, right? Like, you're going to have to answer that now. (laughs) What what motivates you, Aiden? I have to go deep and brief. (laughs) You caught me. So I read Simon Sinek's book, Starts With Why and took some time to think about it. And my motivation is to help people realize and reach their full potential. What it makes me think of is actually the podcast that you guys did with Jarrett, right? And he was talking about his experience, which is incredible. If you haven't listened to that one, go go listen to our friend Jarrett. But he, he talked about the idea of if you've grown up and you haven't known what else is around you, then your opportunities are automatically limited. And I think he gave an example of saying, if somebody asked you, what's your favorite spice? And all you know is pepper, then you're going to say that. And you don't know about cayenne and all these other things. And so Mm -hmm. that's like the, the realizing part. And then the reaching your full potential is kind of everything outside of that and beyond it. 
That's great. I mean, that's an exercise I'm still working through myself. It's funny because our first semester, we have leading people, and it's a lot about cultures at companies and how companies can create impactful cultures and actually have meaningful mission statements and visions. And it just got me thinking as a person, what is my vision? What is my mission statement? What is my core values? Yeah. And I think we all have it in our heads of like who we are as people, but so rarely do we actually take the time to write it down and like stare at it. Yeah. So I don't have that answer for you, so you're not allowed <laughs> to ask it. But, <laughs> but it's something that I've been kind of musing on this summer in terms of given the world where it is today, it's given a lot of extra time to think about these things. So yeah. it's, what do you want to do with your life? Well, and it's tough because it's, I think we're all work in progress. And yeah. so you might think of something and you're like, oh, no, that's not right. Or you might hear somebody speak and you're like, oh, okay, that, I should do that. Exactly. What has been your favorite Haas memory in your past two years? You're good at asking the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first one that popped into my mind is going to Tahoe. This was, I guess, last spring. My whole cohort got together and we all rented a, a bunch of cabins out in Tahoe and we spent a weekend out there and it was super fun. It was just like celebrating conquering the first year and not thinking too much about how much we still have ahead. Uh, <laughs> but it was so fun just getting outside of the city. Yeah. And what do you think has been your favorite class so far? I'm asking this selfishly as I'm getting ready to look at electives again. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. The, the two that come to mind... Well, okay, maybe I have three. So the first one you have probably taken already. So it was accounting, mm -hmm. which is odd. This was mostly because of the professor. So Yaniv is the professor of that class, and he's just an incredible human. When we first entered the class, he just starts clapping, and everyone's like, what is going on? And he keeps clapping until like everyone starts clapping with him, and then, and then he puts his arms up and he yells, accounting! <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's like, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know accounting was so exciting, <laughs> but I'm in it. So that was super fun. And then this past spring, there was not clapping or yelling involved, but I took <laughs> negotiations and then a class called marketing analytics. Mm. And those were super interesting because I think they're just very applicable. Negotiations is more or less what you ex would expect. A lot of tough awkward conversations that you, you have to have and uh, you take time being critical after every conversation that you have and then marketing analytics was, was super interesting as well and it's what I've actually used a lot this summer so yeah, very practical. Nice and as you go into your final year are you planning on graduating in graduating period? Yeah I'm shooting for 2030 now. Yeah right we have full a full five years that you can take to do the program that is before true. I think they literally kick you out. But I, I guess as you go into the next year, what are your goals and your plans? So I definitely want to try my best, however possible, to spend more time with folks uh, in my class and then also get to know the, the other classes, so class of 22 and 23, as much as possible. It's obviously very different how that's going to happen. It's, it's TBD, but 
I think that's the main thing. And then also enjoying the city as much as I can. I don't know if I'll be in the Bay Area for another year or maybe three years or who knows. So I just want to enjoy the Bay Area. Yeah, I totally agree. I think especially after this summer, I didn't take any electives and tried to stay in touch, but not as well as I would have hoped. I think we all hit a little bit of Zoom fatigue. So I think being like more intentional on how to get those interactions and then how to get those interactions across classes, across cohorts. There are so many people within my class that are not on the Saturdays that I don't know. So I'm hoping to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to Get brainstorm. to know your blue and gold friends. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Obviously, you had always hoped to go and get your MBA. Mm-hmm. I'm very similar. But has the MBA experience thus far met your expectations of what you thought? And what have you learned about yourself? So the MBA has definitely exceeded my expectations. I think going into it, I had more of a, an academic lens about it. Like, I'm going to learn all the, the skills and the frameworks and all those things, but it's mm-hmm. it's a lot more squishy in a way on the, <laughs> the people side. And like I said, it's really humbling. So from that respect, it's been super interesting to get to know a lot of people that I wouldn't normally interact with. And Haas is a pretty awesome, quirky little place. And then what I've learned about myself which is a much easier question. I used to think that I wanted to be a better version of myself, but now I'm trying to be a a more authentic version of myself. And that's not easy, but, but it's fun and it's, it's rewarding and it's a work in progress. So check back in with me in like one week. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I think that's great. I think It's true. I think when you're growing up and those first couple years of undergrad, you see all these great leaders and you're like, I'm going to be like this person and that person. You try and grab all these different things, which I think is great. You definitely want to learn from others. But there comes to a point where you just have to stop and be like, "Okay, I have all all these different things that I've inputted from other people. But like, who am I and how does that come to life for me? Because that's what's going to feel the best long term and take the least amount of energy every day yeah exactly that's you know it it makes paying the bills for an mba worth it (laughs) (laughs) self-discovery that's right (laughs) exactly what do you want to do when you graduate when i grow up Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. the big question the big question i don't know if i can answer the big question yet i'm i'm not quite sure I, i think there's a big opportunity that i could come back to this company where i am now i think there's an opportunity that i could go back to Walmart, no idea. Um, mm-hmm. Still need to have those conversations. And then there's the unknown. I'm, I'm talking to a lot of recruiters right now, and oddly enough, there's a lot of open finance positions. It, mm. Sadly, it you know may or might, may not have to do with Corona and people realizing that finances are important. Awesome. Well, I wanted to transition to a little fun ender that we sometimes do. It's called this or that, and so we get to Uh-oh. learn more about your preferences. So if you're reading, do you prefer audiobooks, ebooks, or paper books? Paper, 100%. Any books that you've read recently that you would recommend? I'm reading one now. It's called Dream Big. It's by um, Bob Goff. He's one of my favorite authors. He's kind of a wild dude. He puts his phone number in the back of all the books that he writes. 
because he's all about engagement and being available, which is a little insane. I mean, the guy probably gets thousands yeah. of calls, but have you yeah. called him yet? I I, ha- I called him a few years ago. I was super nervous to do it, and he picked up and he's like, oh "Hey, gosh. what's up?" <laughs> and then I didn't know what to say. <laughs> he's probably and, also used to that, like. <laughs> I know he's like, yeah, I, I actually picked up. This is my number, and we just you know we talked um, for a little while, but it was super cool. He's just a totally normal dude. That's great. Are you a Spotify music or Apple music or how do you stream your music? Spotify. Yes. What's your like go-to work playlist? It's not a established playlist, but I have a bunch of instrumental songs. Maybe it was influenced. I think one of the other people you had on the podcast, Dr. Yusuf, mm-hmm. like she said she had like the same songs that she's listened to over and over for years. But like Artie is one of the the bands on there. So yeah, it's just instrumental stuff. Nice. Mine is Tropical House. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so it's like Are you super trying to upbeat. Yeah, just upbeat stuff. But it, it skews like my whole like recommendation because I don't listen to it really unless I'm working. Yeah. And I don't even know how so I stumbled all these upon wild it. Recommendations. <laughs> Are you a Netflix, Amazon Prime, or Hulu? Netflix. Most recent show that I've watched is the Bill Gates. It's like a three episode series it's inside bill gates mind and then i also started watching seinfeld and then i i scrapped it pretty quick there's way too many episodes <laughs> but i feel like that's when you could just like watch and then you know come back to weeks later yeah yeah george costanza <laughs> will still be there he's not going anywhere exactly and are you a morning or an evening person morning person morning Haas has sort of changed that. I think I'm really early and really late person. The, the middle <laughs> just is awake just awake at all hours. <laughs> yeah. I agree because I think, like, typically I'm a morning person. I typically wake up around 5 45. And yeah. I would say preschool, I'd like to climb into bed at 9 9 30. Yeah. But when you're working on, you know, class projects and there's meetings that go till 10. 10 30 it doesn't quite work out (laughs) right easy to wind down after that yeah yeah awesome well anything else that you wanted to share on the show or any other parting words of wisdom for either current or prospective students and their Haas MBA journey I think the only advice that they really need is to continually listen to this podcast that's great but really no you guys are doing awesome yeah (laughs) But no, keep doing what you're doing. This is super cool. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Aiden. Absolutely. And thanks for listening to this week's episode of Here at Haas. If you loved hearing Aiden's story, don't forget to leave us a rating review and make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future stories. As always, we'll link to a couple of the resources that Aiden mentioned in the show notes. And until next time, I'm Paulina Lee, and this is Here at Haas.